Small correction before we get into the episode. I say that I'm recording on Thursday night, May 25th, but that doesn't make any sense. It's obviously Wednesday night, May 25th. So just a small correction there. I didn't really want to crack another beer at 11 o'clock at night here. So just a quick little correction there before we started things off. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Let's Talk Minnesota Sports. I'm your host, Andrew Neuer, coming at you on a Thursday night on May 25th. That's the sweet sound of a sparkling lime lager from New Belgium Brewing. Let me know what you're drinking in the comments section below. We have a lot to talk about, so let's talk some Minnesota sports. Today's episode is brought to you by Eric Molsather at Coldwell Banker Realty. The real estate economy right now is crazy, and it's the perfect time to sell your house. Whether you're looking to sell, invest in real estate, or find your next dream home, then Eric Molsather at Coldwell Banker Realty is your guy. Eric is committed to bringing you an experience that goes beyond just buying or selling a home. If that sounds like you, give Eric Molsather a call at 651-357-6528 or email him at eric.molsather at cbrealty.com. That's eric with a K dot M-O-L-S-A-T-H-E-R at cbrealty.com and tell them Andrew sent you. All right, start things off with the Minnesota Twins again. After today's absolutely brutal game where the Twins are up 2-0 after Trevor Larnick absolutely killed the ball to right field. Then you go to two solo shots from the Detroit Tigers and then you go into the then you go into extras where I've Stated my frustration with the whole extra innings and runner on second base. I believe that there should be a runner on second base, but I don't think you should do it until the 11th or 12th inning. I think that 10th and 11th, if you're going to do it, the 10th inning for sure doesn't need to be a runner on second base. At that point, if you haven't scored by the 11th or 12th inning, then you can put a runner on second base because no one wants to be there till the 15th, till the 18th inning. I like the idea of getting the game over with quicker. But when you're throwing it in there right away, it's just it's not really fair. And it doesn't really prove to show the best team won. But Minnesota gave up a two run home run. So the runner on second base really didn't mean anything because the twins, the twins offense was was shit. If we're going to be quite frank about it, they're uh, they're playing one of the worst teams in baseball. And they scored two runs today and last night. On Wednesday, they also scored two runs. How is their bases loaded with zero outs and you can't score one freaking run? How can you not score one run? Not even a sacrifice fly could even do the trick. Like they literally could not get one run and they lost this game four to two, which brings their record to 27 and 17. That leads them to a five game lead over. The Chicago White Sox, that will change. The Chicago White Sox are winning right now, 3-1, to one, and the last time I checked was the bottom of the eighth. If they hold on to win, obviously that number will probably change to 4.5. I didn't really do too much digging into it, but we'll say 4.5. Right now it is five games as of Thursday. No. No, on a Wednesday night, the, two, the game they scored two runs against the Tigers was on Tuesday. I was even at that game. Fool. All right, but... I did want to talk about Luis Arise. As of Wednesday night, 
he has the second best batting average in all of baseball. He leads. He also leads the league in on base percentage at four sixty six. You have tw- the Twins have a player with the best batting with almost the best batting average in baseball and the best on base percentage in baseball. Luis Arise deserves to be in the lineup every single game. I don't care if it's a righty. I don't care if it's a lefty. Luis Arise needs to be in the lineup every day, whether that's at first, whether it's at second, if it's at short, left field, I don't care. Luis Arise deserves to be in the lineup. He is right now the best offensive player on this Twins team, and I don't really think it's even close. Carlos Correa is playing a lot better. Gio Rochelle is getting hits left and right. Byron Buxton is struggling. But Luis Arise, if you have a guy hitting 347, 350 some days, that guy deserves to be in the lineup. You don't see many of those players anymore in baseball where Luis Arise is a guy, if he plays every single game, stays healthy, he could easily be a guy that gets 3,000 hits. The reason he gets on base so much is because he takes quality at-bats, he doesn't strike out, and if he's not getting a hit, more than likely it's a walk. Other than getting on base at an elite level, the other part of the equation is Carlos Correa. The Minnesota Twins usually throw a lineup out there with Buxton leading off, with a rise trailing him, and then Carlos Correa in that third spot. Because Carlos Correa is such a good hitter, he's going to rack up so many RBIs this season because Luis Arise is able to get on base either with a walk or a hit. Since, I mean, Carlos Correa struggled to start the season, but he's now starting to get hot. Of Correa's 15 RBIs, four of them have been from, four of them have been, how do I want to word that? Not from Luis Arise. Four of Carlos Correa's RBIs is when Luis Arise scores. And that's because Luis Arise gets on base. There's just so much value to this idea. Personally, I would like to see Luis Arise being the leadoff guy, get up, get on base, get the starting pitcher all rattled up right away, make him go eight pitches deep, have him pitch from the stretch. It's, I think that's the best scenario. Then you have Polanco in second, then Correa at third, and Buck cleaning it up at fourth. That, to me, is my dream starting four right there in the lineup, but... It doesn't really matter. Luis Arise is getting out on base. Carlos Correa will hit him in. That's just how the Twins lineup is set up. The other part of this Twins team, Minnesota is winning ball games. They're 10 games above 500. Yet Byron Buxton, he's missed a couple games with that knee injury and the hip strain. But you're doing this without essentially your best player. He's he's making good defensive plays. We saw that on Tuesday night. But Byron Buxton is also he's just not hitting he's just not hitting at all. Uh right now he's going through a major slump. On May 6th, he was hitting 290. Since then, he's 7 of 45. And is that's brought his batting average down to 202. In this stretch since May 6th, he's batting 156. It's just this kind of stretch from him is essentially what we almost saw those first couple of years when we're like, well, is Byron Buxton going to take that step like we thought he would is he that second pick in the draft and the answer is yes byron buxton is the best player on this twins team he's the best offensive player he's the best defensive player i know i said Luis rise is playing 
the best base offense on this team. But when Buxton's fully healthy and he's on a roll, there's no one better in baseball than him. When healthy, he's a top three player in baseball. And you can debate that with me. I'd love to do it. But at the end of the day, Byron Buxton is one of the best baseball players in all of Major League Baseball. And he's just struggling. And a lot of it has to do with his... He has to be... A lot of this, I believe, is coming down to his knee injury that he's struggling with. Uh, It was reported earlier uh, Wednesday. Aaron Gleeman posted it. And he tweeted out saying, Byron Buxton declined to say whether or not his knee injury had improved compared to two weeks ago, saying that he won't make any excuses for his slump. It goes on to say, Buxton also said on the in- said going on the injury list for 10 days is something he'd like to avoid, mentally even more so than physically. And I, and I get that because for a guy who's always on the 10-day IL, it has to be so frustrating to constantly go out of the game, not be able to be out there with your boys, and to be sitting on the bench frustrated because you're dealing with another 10 days of rehabbing your injury and just not being able to help your team win ball games. It's a lot, it's a struggle. And I, I get what he's coming from. But at the same time, he's hitting 156 since May 6. And the Twins have options to throw at center field. It's not like in the past. I talked about this last week on the pod. It's not like you're throwing Jake Cave out there in center field. Minnesota has so much depth in the outfield that they can allow Buxton to rest. And you'd rather have him rest these games against Kansas city and Detroit because after these two series against Kansas city and Detroit, you're going to be playing Toronto, the Yankees, the Tampa Bay Rays. If you're going to, it would be the most Minnesota thing ever if he kept playing through the injury. And after this Detroit series, they're going to be like, you know, I think it's going to be a 10 day IL. Buxton will, you'll miss the Toronto series, the Yankee series, and maybe part of the Tampa Bay series. And that would just be, you have to think of it now and just nip it in the bud and just put him on the IL at this point. I mean, I know he doesn't want to do it mentally. I get it, but the Twins are playing Kansas City, they're playing Detroit. You're not really worried about it that much. You know, you have Hilberto Celestino who can play center. He's been awesome both defensively and offensively. He's hitting 319. Nick Gordon has been great anywhere you plug him in on the field. And he also is a he's also a spark plug on offense. You know, once he gets on base, he's gonna try and stretch a single to a double. He's gonna try and steal a base. You know, he he's been electric and he's been really underrated this season and someone we don't talk about enough. Royce Lewis, other than shortstop, his other position he plays is center field. If the Twins want to give him some extra reps in the big leagues, maybe you call him up. The Twins just have a lot of options, and you could easily just take the, just let him rest now. You're playing against Kansas City and Detroit. He hasn't helped in either of these series, and Minnesota's just rolling. You have to, you have to set him at this point. And Jorge Polanco, I tweeted up before the game on. Wednesday, the extra before the extra inning game where they lost to Detroit, I tweeted out saying, "Well, it's rather odd that Jorge Polanco is sitting for the second straight games, and Jorge Polanco is not a player who misses many games. I believe this is his first two games he's missed all season. 
But last year he played off the top of my head, 152, 153. So he only misses about 10 games a season. And for a guy to miss two games in a row, that set a little bit of alarms up in my head. And I was thinking, you know, there has to be something that's not being reported. And later on, Polanco is battling some right ankle soreness. And while Rocco Baldelli said, uh, in quotes, nothing more than mild concern, this is something that he's been kind of playing through for a little while. Even when he's out there and playing really well, it's still something that I think he feels at times, but something that doesn't really hold him back. And that is true. Jorge Polanco this season has been incredible, especially with runners in scoring position. Anytime he's up, anytime he's up to the plate, and there's guys on base, you're just you know a base hit's coming. You know that guy's going to be rounding home, rounding third to go home. It's just Jorge Polanco has been great, and I wouldn't really stress about it. I know he had the two ankle surgeries on that same ankle that he's having soreness with, but Rocco said that he's it's just something mild concern. Just let him rest, I guess. But he it's not like his ankle injury is it's not like what we're seeing with Buxton where the knee injury might be playing an effect where he's batting two hundred. Jorge Polanco has been great, so there's nothing really I'm worried about there. And even if there is a serious concern, the twins do have depth. You can play Luis Arise, you can play Nick Gordon. Royce Lewis would get a shot then you play him at second base. Or even Spencer Steer. If you read my last article, go check that out at Let's Talk I wrote about my prospects that I do every Monday. Spencer Steer has been playing incredible, and he's probably the most underrated prospect in the twin system right now. No one's talking about him, yet he's hitting 308 with eight home runs and 30 RBIs. That's a guy who is destined to eventually make his mark on the on the big leagues and i'm excited to see where when it comes because he's been fun to track he was the twins 10th or 11th prospect in the system and they just changed it i think he's now like 22 or 23 but it doesn't matter spencer steer has been playing great the all season it's early but last year we saw him last year we saw him take the next step and hit more home runs something he hasn't even done in college and you're seeing it this year too. Eight home runs already and I don't know, 140 some at bats it was. He could be another option as well if Jorge Polanco is dealing with something serious. Joe Ryan, he goes on the COVID list with uh so that's just unfortunate. This season he's been five and two, ERA of two point two eight. He's been the twins best starter this season. But in that place, he'll probably only miss one or two starts. So we'll be seeing Devin Smelter pitch instead. Devin Smelter in two starts this season has looked great. He looks He's looked better than what we've seen in the past. And as I talked about before, the Twins are going to be facing the Kansas City Royals now. Uh, that's going to be a four-game series, and then they go on to play the Detroit Tigers for five. And minimum, Minnesota should be going 7-2. and two. You're playing nine games against two of some of the worst teams in baseball. And if they go at least 7-2... and two, that would put the Twins at 34-19 and 19 and in the driver's spot in the AL Central. And I bet you at that point, they'll have a pretty good lead on the Chicago White Sox still. But yeah, it's players are starting to get a little healthy, I guess. Jorge Polanco and Buxton are the two concerns right now moving forward. But as long as Byron Buxton can correct the ship, I don't think we should have anything to stress about here. All right, let's move on to the Minnesota Timberwolves. There you have it, folks. 
the Minnesota Timberwolves named Tim Connolly as their next president of basketball operations. If you didn't already, go check out my article at letstalkmnsports.com. I kind of broke down who he is and kind of like why this is a great move for the Minnesota Timberwolves. But Connolly will be making $40 million over the next five years with some ownership equity. It's yet to be released as to what percentage of the ownership he's going to be getting. But that's kind of a big deal. I mean, like, you don't really see president of basketball operations getting ownership equity around. Like, that just doesn't happen. And this might be a new wave. It's kind of when head coaches were also the president of basketball operations. And that maybe then teams moved away from that. Maybe we see the same thing with the president of basketball, basketball operations where teams are hiring these guys and they're giving them ownership equity. And then in five years, you're like, you know what? Let's take a, let's take a pause on that. Let's not actually do that. Anyways, though, it's kind of move before this happened. I was kind of skeptical. I was like, you know, Sachin Gupta, I love him. He's shown that he can be a great president of basketball operations simply by just not even making any moves. Making no moves was almost the right idea because there's nothing on the table for him to take really essentially. So why would you make a bad move just to save your ass in the off season? To me, that's that spoke a lot of about his character and his integrity. And obviously I hope Sachin Gupta stays in the Wolves front office for a while now. He, it looks like he will be uh, from the quote from the Timberwolves press release. It said, Connolly will work closely with Timberwolves executive vice president of basketball operations, Sachin Gupta, as well as head coach Chris Finch, whom Connolly worked with in Denver during the 2016-2017 season. And I'll get into this in a little bit here, but Sachin Gupta is good at everything that Tim Connolly isn't, and everything that Sachin Gupta might not be good at, Tim Connolly is. And it's like this perfect blend. It's like if you meshed every single characteristic you want a president of basketball operations and you mushed Sachin Gupta and Tim Connolly together, you'd find this perfect specimen of what you want out of your president of basketball operations. And it's incredible that Minnesota got him. I know when the list came out of the players of, excuse me, though, the Pobles that they're going to interview. And it was kind of like, how are they getting any one of these guys? And the only way to do it was money, obviously, but the Timberwolves poached Tim Connolly from the Denver Nuggets, which is huge because division, like division wise, they're in the same division as the Minnesota Timberwolves. And obviously, this is not like baseball, but you're taking someone who's extremely important to what the Denver Nuggets have built and created over there. And you essentially just took him. And now Denver is without there Calvin Booth looks like the front runner, but you're taking a huge piece out of the Denver Nuggets and inserting it into the Minnesota Timberwolves. And if it was if it was a team from the Eastern Conference, maybe this doesn't mean as much. But that's huge. Taking someone from a rival team could spell disaster for the Nuggets. And they're kind of a they're a small market team. You know, obviously I we in Minnesota we love seeing small markets win, but Anytime you can take something from a rival team, you have to do it, and it's fun to see. But it's Gupta, 
Gupta is very good at making trades. He's very conscious of contracts and CBAs. You saw what they did with Jared Vanderbilt and Jordan McLaughlin and how they kind of waited out. And you don't really see that necessarily with Tim Connolly in the past. You know, he kind of falls in love maybe a little bit too much. He gave Michael Porter Jr. that massive max contract when he's already dealt with injuries. That's a, there's a reason he slid to 14 in the draft. He's an incredible talent, but he just can't stay on the court. And you're giving this guy a max contract, and who knows if he'll even play basketball again. Back injuries are so serious. But Tim Connolly is Tim Connolly is great at multiple things, and some of the things he's good at is drafting. Denver drafts extremely well. They're one of the best teams when it comes to the NBA draft. And it's not like they're plucking guys from the top of the draft, top 10, top five picks like Minnesota. They're finding these guys middle to late lottery to late first round to second round picks. I mean, the list goes on. I Just to name a few, Malik Beasley, Nikola Jokic, Michael Porter Jr., Jamal Murray, Yusuf Nurkic, Gary Harris, Monty Morris. You know, the list goes on. Even Jared Vanderbilt for like, for one. And as I said, these guys, none of those guys are top picks. I mean, Jamal Murray is, he was a, a lottery pick and Michael Porter Jr. was that 14th pick. And I'm blanking on where Malik Beasley's pick, but it was middle to, it was middle round, middle first round. And to be able to have an eye to seeing like he obviously Tim Conley has some swing and misses, but when it all boils down and you look at his whole resume of who he's picked, he's drafted at an elite level. And I'm going to get into this trade section in a second, but he even drafted Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. Terrible trade that you got rid of him, but he still found him and he still drafted him. Imagine if they didn't trade him. Like, the, the Denver Nuggets draft so well that they have to get rid of other players either through trades or just letting them walk in free agency because they have so much talent. Like, imagine having that problem. The Denver Nuggets, like, they literally gave us Malik Beasley and Jared Vanderbilt in a terrible trade for them, but an awesome trade for us. We love Malik Beasley. I love Jared Vanderbilt. But to get rid of both of those guys who were not even in the rotation to now starters and six man on the Minnesota Timberwolves and playing really well. It just speaks volumes as to how good Tim Connolly was really good as, as it just speaks volume as to how good he really was at his job. And the other thing he's really good at is setting a culture. Like the Denver Nuggets are not a team you frequently see in the news of some disgruntled star or front office mishaps or there's some sort of underlying issues going on within the organization. It's a tight knit group and these guys just have so much respect for each other and you can just see it. And it starts with Tim Connolly. I mean, how often do you see when your guy wins MVP, him and Michael Malone and others, they went out to Serbia to present him and celebrate the MVP award. I mean, like you just don't see that very often and it's incredible to see. And the Minnesota Timberwolves have a guy now who can set this culture and a rod and Mark Lowry have both 
been in the forefront of let's cite this new culture. Let's bring in Chris Finch. Let's bring in, or actually, Kristen Rosas brought in Chris Finch. They didn't, but the Minnesota Timberwolves are building something new. They're trying to build this whole new, this whole new perspective of the Minnesota Timberwolves. You know, five years to four years ago, even two years ago, the Minnesota Timberwolves were not a, they were not a sexy team, if you want to put it in that term. They're not a team that players are looking at like, hey, I want to come to Minnesota. No, it's freezing. Like, the, the front office is building together something that is going to be special for the next 10, 15 years. And it's awesome to see Mark Lowry and A-Rod are doing a great job. And they're, I mean, they hired that guy from Clutch to deal with player relations. And they're, they're just doing stuff that other teams are not. And it's good to see that for once the Timberwolves are not messing up these kind of things and they're actually potentially getting A pluses on the offseason. Some of the things though that Tim Connolly isn't the best at is trades and as I said before, maybe giving out the contracts to the players. He kind of holds on to them for a little too long. On so some of the good trades he did make was he traded Doug McDermott and he got Anthony Randolph and Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic. Obviously, Gary Harris and Yusuf Nurkic are two really good players for them. Uh, just this recent one, Aaron Gordon. They got Aaron Gordon for Aaron Gordon and Gary Clark. Sorry for R.J. Hampton, Gary Harris, and a 2025 first round pick. R.J. Hampton, eh. Gary Harris, eh. First round pick. More than likely, it's going to be a late. It's going to be a late pick. But Aaron Gordon fits perfectly alongside Nikola Jokic. It's why Minnesota wanted Aaron Gordon, too. He would fit perfectly next to Carl Anthony Towns. That's a great trade for Denver. Another one they did was trading Aaron Aflalo, Alonzo G, for Will Barton and a few extra throw-ins, but Will Barton has been a huge piece for the Denver Nuggets, and Aaron Aflalo is a guy who is, I mean, obviously he was at the end of his career, but you got a young piece who's still helping you out for a guy who's retired. And obviously I talked about it before. A few of the bad trades he's made was on draft night, trading Rudy Gobert for Eric green. That's a slap in the face. And then trading Donovan Mitchell for Tyler Lydon and Trey Lyles. Trey Lyles is a decent player, but nowhere even near Donovan Mitchell's ceiling. And that's why it's great to see that Minnesota was going to have, is going to have Gupta because Gupta is going to be on this left side of the shoulder saying, you know what? Don't give off this contract just yet. I know you like him, but let's hold off a little bit. And let's save some money over here. You know, like Gupta can tell, can show maybe where to improve upon on giving contracts and making the right trades. You know, for Sachin Gupta literally made the trade machine. Like he knows a thing or two about trades and contracts. And where maybe Sachin Gupta isn't very as experienced, maybe Tim Connolly is showing them how to pick the right guys and maybe scout European players over here and figuring out which players have a knack for talent. And I, at the end of the day, I love this move. He's one of the best in the business. And, hey, he costs a lot of money, but it's not my money. 
and just having Gupta on the on board still is a nice thing on the cake. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns made 13, which means that he's going to be making a lot more money. He's going to be making over 200 million, and that will be once he signs the contract. There's no way he's not going to sign it. So expect for him to. Well, that'd be actually Tim Connolly's first sort of business to do with the Timberwolves. He's going to have to sign Carl Anthony Towns to a super max, and you're not letting Carl Anthony Towns go. You're not going to trade him. He's a superstar. And many of you guys might not agree with that that idea that I'm calling him a superstar, but he's the third best center on the team. I thought maybe he should have gotten second team. I thought Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid would have maybe gotten first team. But at the end of the day, third team, second team, first team. Carl Anthony Towns is finally an all-NBA player, and it's awesome to see that he's having success and he's getting the recognition that he deserves. I want to touch base on the whole D'Angelo Russell, Andrew Wiggins trade since Andrew Wiggins is playing out of his mind right now in the Dallas Mavericks series, and ESPN people are talking about it. Timberwolves Twitter is talking about it. Warriors Twitter is talking about it. So the trade the trade breaks down to the Wolves got D'Angelo Russell for and Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman for Andrew Wiggins, a 2021 first round pick, which ended up being Jonathan Kaminga and a 2021 second-round pick. Sure, you can look at it in the light that the Timberwolves lost the trade. You know, you got Andrew Wiggins, and you got Jonathan Kaminga, and Kaminga looks like a great talent, and Andrew Wiggins is playing great for the Warriors, and he's he's a huge part of what the what Golden State's doing right now and the success they're having. And sure, Jacob Evans and Amari Spellman had, like, zero career in the land of 10,000 lakes, but I don't get why everyone's kind of shooting down on like the whole idea that D'Angelo Russell is this terrible player. And I've talked about this on the pat and on the podcast in the past. D'Angelo Russell has his flaws, but he's also a good player. He's not 35 million. He's not $32 million worth. He's not worth that kind of money. He's worth maybe 20, 25. But if the Timberwolves still had Andrew Wiggins and they made, and they didn't make that trade, they would not be in the position they are now. Trading Andrew Wiggins to get D'Angelo Russell pushed this team in a whole new direction, and we're seeing, and we're seeing what that looks like. It's Anthony Edwards, it's Jaden McDaniels, Torian Prince. It's all these things that are finally coming together. Minnesota is now a winning team who's on the rise, and the idea that. They made a dumb decision by trading this max contract, Andrew Wiggins, for D'Angelo Russell, who the Timberwolves might trade this offseason. It's kind of like, yeah, maybe Andrew Wiggins is a better player right now than D'Angelo Russell, but the Timberwolves would not be anywhere near where they are right now. Making that move finally signaled that this era is over and we're going to push forward into a brighter future. And I just kind of wanted to go over that because it's kind of frustrating to hear. I mean, if you know me, Andrew Wiggins is my favorite player in the NBA. I will not talk shit about him. But the whole idea that the Timberwolves lost this trade and that it's super obvious, is it's kind of stupid. All right, now let's move on to the Minnesota Vikings. I just want to touch up on a couple things briefly. Uh, some notes to kind of know about is that Matt Daniels, the special teams coordinator, in quotes said, I freaking love rookies, man. He just said, like, 
like the idea of like a special teams coordinator loving rookies. Like imagine if he was on there on the staff when we had Daniel Carlson, like what if things would have been better? Daniel Carlson is one of the best kickers in the league is the Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman era is done. I'm so glad because in the past we have not seen, and obviously Matt Daniels is the special teams coordinator, but I think the same thing we'll see with Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adafo Mensah is going to be pushing for more of a modern style, more passing and more rookies getting playing time. And I think that's really important because it sets the tone right away that the rookies are coming in. They're going to get playing time, stay ready, stay hot. And this is going to be exciting to see. I mean, you saw last year with just not last year with Justin Jefferson, the, when Justin Jefferson entered the league, he didn't get playing time right away. And you saw with Christian Darisaw, yeah, he was battling an injury in training camp and early in the season, but he didn't get any kind of playing time early on, even when he fully was healthy. And it was really frustrating because it's not like the offensive line was good. Um, some other notes to know about. Chris Reed is the favorite at the guard position right now. Sports Illustrated reported that he's taking first-team reps and that it's not Jesse Davis. And they also noted that Amir Smith-Marset may be doing some punt returns. And I kind of like the idea of that because he's not getting on the field as a receiver. But I love the speed, and I think he could be a great punt returner. Obviously, you have uh, Kenny Nuangu as a kick returner, who's one of the best in the league already. And if you pair that with Amir Smith-Marset on the punt returns, and I think I'm really excited about this special teams. And August, September, it can't come soon enough. And I'm excited about this new front office and coaching staff. But that wraps up our 10th episode. Thank you all for listening. Cheers.